0: Thank you so much. Oh, what a great morning! A great morning in church. Oh, baby dedications, communion. Um, we're we're living in wonderful times, and I love you know. I love that song. I love the faith declaration that says, "I know who I am because." Well, she says, "I." What does it say? <laughs> I am who you say I am. <laughs> I always get a bit confused. But I love that the child of God, I am who you say I am. So often we can get caught up in what other people say we are or what we tell ourselves we are. But the truth, the truth is that we are blood-bought children of the Most High God. Jesus did it all on the cross so that we could be free. Who the Son sets free is indeed 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 not just a little bit free that's our reality that's what we're walking in and so um I want to share with you this morning thank you for actually just backtrack thanks for having us here again and as Wayne said we we kind of like family we come every year and we connect with a lot of your guys throughout the year so this is just kind of like coming home family reunion you know all that but um it's really wonderful to be at Activate again here this morning and to uh have spent time with the team yesterday We had a a networking churches networking night last night, which is just beautiful seeing what God is doing in the churches of the Waikato region and the Bay Plenty. Um, Man, where there's unity, God commands a blessing, Hey, So um, it was a privilege to be there as well. But we've so been looking forward to church this morning because this is where we belong. This is home. This is our house. This is where we, uh, you know, we encounter God throughout our week and we should, but this is where the family gets together and we like get refueled and refired up for the week ahead. And I know that one of the core themes of Activate Church is belonging. And you've been talking a lot about that this year. And I want to kind of put a different little, little different spin on that this morning, if that's okay. So, um, so let me just um, read to you, if that's all right. I'll just grab my phone out. Mm-hmm. Chat quietly or loudly amongst yourselves while I find the scripture. <laughs> no, don't laugh loudly. Just yeah, just chat. If you can't find someone to chat to, <laughs> okay. Here we go. Um, so as I set this up this morning, here we go. Nope. Chapter. Yeah, there we go. Four right. Okay, so I want to suggest to you this morning three three areas that we belong, three areas that we can find a sense of belonging in, and it might be a little bit of a mind bend shift change for you, but um, I want to suggest to you this morning that we have the ability to belong in presence, to belong in presence, and not in presence as in gifts, you know, like, oh, a Christmas present, birthday present, baby dedication present, but the presence, the presence of God should be a place that we find home, that we belong, and that we find a real sense of comfort and, and a place to stand. Does that make sense? The second is that we should be a people who know how to belong in praise, thanksgiving, and gratitude. So to know what it is to have that as our, as our default setting. And the third one is that we should be a people who know how to belong in repentance, now, I will unpack that one because sometimes people like, hear that word and go, oh, repentance, I don't know what that means. I will explain to you. But, um, but first, let me read to you from uh, the book of Second Kings chapter 4. And it's a bit of a long passage, so I'll just uh, read little bits and then unpack it for you. So this is the story of the Shunammite woman. How many people know that story? The Shunammite woman, Elisha, Gehazi. It's quite a cool name, eh, Gehazi? Gehazi Huirua. No, no more kids for us. But that would be, you know, Gehazi maybe a grandchild. No, just joking, joking. That's a bit weird. But, um, <laughs> but you, know, you know, no, no, no. Oh, it must be something stirring. But anyway, so, so the Shunammite woman, Elisha and Gehazi. And this is the story of a woman who was a very well-established woman in the town she lived in. She, she um, knew her place. She was married. Her husband was elderly, but she had a real sense of belonging. She knew what her place was. And, um, and so I'll read to you here. It says this in verse 8. One day, excuse me, Elisha passed through Shunem. A leading lady of the town talked him into stopping for a meal. And then it became his custom. Whenever he passed through, he stopped by for a meal. I'm certain, said the woman to her husband, that this man who stops by with us all the time is a holy man of God. Why don't we add on a small room upstairs and furnish it with a bed and desk, chair and lamp so that when he comes by, he can stay with us? And so it happened that the next time Elisha came by, he went to the room and lay down for a nap. And then he said to his servant, Gehazi, tell the Shunammite woman I want to see her. He called her and she came to him. And through Gehazi, Elisha said, you've gone far beyond the call of duty in taking care of us. What can we do for you? Do you have a request we can bring to the king or to the commander of the army? And she replied, nothing. I'm secure and satisfied in my family. Elisha conferred with Gehazi, there's got to be something we can do for her, but what? Hmm. Gehazi said, well, she has no son, and her husband is an old man. Call her in, said Elisha. It was like the light bulbs went on. Call her in. He called her, and she stood at the open door. And Elisha said to her, this time next year, you're going to be nursing an infant son. Oh, my master, oh, holy man, she said, don't play games with me, teasing me with such fantasies. But the woman conceived, and a year later, just as Elisha had said, she had a son. Now, this is not a story specifically about the woman's barrenness or her inability to conceive. This is about something that the woman did to furnish a place for the presence of God in her life. So this this woman was a leading lady of the town. Her husband um, was elderly, but they obviously had a place where they belonged. They knew where they stood. They knew their place. They were um, influential in the, in the town. Um, and so, so when Elisha comes through the town, and he's just passing through, just passing through the town, she um, invites him in for a meal because she senses something about Elisha that carries something that she needs. There's something about him. She, she says to her husband, I, I think this man is a holy man. I think there's something about him that really could add something to our lives. We need to do something to create space and a place for him to belong with us. Does that make sense? So they were, they were inviting him in for meals, and whenever he passed through, he'd stop by for a meal, but it went to the next level when she said, let's build a room for him. Let's actually, let's make room, not just in our physical house, but in our lives for this man, for this holy man and his servants. So they built a room upstairs, and they furnished it. Then didn't just kind of leave it like a kind of empty room and say, we'll go to Kmart and get some stuff. <laughs> like they furnished it. They put everything in there that Elisha would need to make him feel like he had a place to belong when he passed through. Does that make sense? So before that, he was just transient. He'd passed through on the Lord's work, the Lord's business. But she sensed that there was something he carried, presence She made room for presence, but, but not just experiencing presence, but actually making room so that presence could be a place that dwelt in her house that she could belong in presence. And there's an outcome to this story. There's an outcome to this. So, so Elisha is really like wrapped with this. He's like, wow, this woman has done so much. She's gone above and beyond the call of duty. She did not just provide meals for us. Now she's actually made room in her home and her life, her heart for us. And so what can we do for her? And they ask her, Gehazi asks him, what, what could we do? Is he, and her answer is nothing, totally satisfied. I'm satisfied. I have everything I need. I don't. I don't need, need anything. I'm. I'm completely satisfied. And Gehazi said she hasn't got a son. In Jewish culture, a son car- carries the the blood. The son carries the. You know, the inherit. Everything comes through the through the son. And she didn't have a son. And like many women in the Bible, um, significant miracles came from significant barrenness. And she, you know, the son's not named, and and she's not named even. So I would suggest it's not about what's uh, physically birthed out of her, but more about what happens in her as a result. Does that make sense? So so he says she's got no son. And so Elisha says to her, this time next year, you will be nursing an infant son. And her response is, don't tease me. Don't tease me with such fantasy. She's been holding out. She would have been praying, believing, wanting this to happen. And it wasn't until, and again, please hear me, this is not... Um, about the answer to barrenness, because God does come through, and sometimes He doesn't. Sometimes He doesn't choose to answer that prayer in the way that we expect. This is about a promise, something that seems impossible being fulfilled. But it was only once she made room to belong in presence, once she made room in his in her um, home and her life for presence to belong, for her to be saturated belonging in presence. So, so it happens. She conceives, and a year later, she has a son and the son grows up to to become a young man, and one day he's out in the fields with his father working, and he gets a really bad headache, and he says to his dad, I've I've got a headache, and the dad's response, go home to your mother. (laughs) Most fathers respond that way. No, 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 just jokes, but um, but that is his response. Mum will know what to do. Maybe he was sensing that she had a a sense of knowing the the presence of God in her life. And so he says, go home to your mother. So he runs home, and, and throughout the day, he gets sicker and sicker, and then he passes away. Desperately sad, not expected that the son dies. And so the Shunammite woman lays the boy out in the presence, in the room that Elisha inhabits when he comes through, where the presence of God is. The Shunammite woman lays her son out, and then she goes to the source. She runs back to where she knows the presence of God is, and that is with Elisha and Gehazi. So her first response, her first response is, I've got to get back to the source. I, this has happened. I never asked for this, but a miracle came, and now the miracle looks like it's well, it is dead, but what does that mean for me? My dream, everything I thought was gonna happen through the sun is now dead. I need to run back to the source. I need to go back to the place that I belong and that belongs with me, and that is the presence of God, the presence. Presence is a place that we can belong in. When we know the presence of God, when we know that he's our source, our first response when we encounter hard things won't be to whine and complain. Yes, we feel those things, but if we can choose, I'm going to run straight to the source. I'm going to run to where the presence of God is, because I know my answer will be found there. She didn't know what the outcome was. Do you know the amazing thing? She went and she went to her husband, and she didn't even tell him that the son had died. Nothing. Zipped her lips, zipped them shut, and she carried on her way to find Gehazi and Elisha. And Gehazi saw her coming, and he ran up to her. He could see, could see something that was um, urgent about her her manner. And um, he, he said, is everything okay? What's wrong? And she said, everything is fine. Complete opposite of what she was feeling and what she was going through. But again, she knew that if she let something escape her lips that lined up with the present reality, rather than getting into the presence of God and finding God's answer, finding that belonging place, that, that the miracle may not happen. So, so everything is fine, she says to Gehazi. And then she gets to Elisha, and that's when it all comes out. You know, in the presence of God, it's safe. It is safe when we run to the presence, it's safe to let Him know how we're feeling. But we don't camp there. So, so Elisha, she she lets it all out to Elisha, and Elisha immediately comes back. We need to go back because we need to see. A miracle happened. And the rest of the story, in 2 Kings chapter 4, if you want to read it, Elisha comes back with her and um, goes into the room where the boy is, and the boy is raised back to life. A miracle, raised back to life. I wonder if the woman had told her husband what was going on, whether faith would have been diminished. I wonder if she said to Gehazi, just before she got into the presence, she hadn't quite reached Elisha. Just before she, thank, thank the Lord that we're in his presence all the time now, but back then... The presence was, was um, carried with people. So before she got to the absolute presence of God, imagine if she let it slip. Gehazi, Gehazi, the boy, he's dead. What would have happened to her faith? What would have happened to her expectations? She knew her first response was to get right into the presence of God. That's where she belonged. That's where her miracle would come. That's where the answer would come. Whatever the outcome, the answer would be found in the presence. In the presence. And her miracle came. Um... Last year, beginning of last year, actually, no, 2015. So Wayne and I run Equippers Creative Lab. It's part of Equippers College. And we had a student come through who um, was incredible. She's from a little town down the line a bit and she was a drum major and an incredible young woman. And life radically changed around through the year in Creative Lab and then she went on to do um, the first year Bible college in 2016. Amazing young woman, like just from a very broken background, but God just did incredible things as she found a new sense of life and belonging in his presence and being discipled in, in the way of Christianity. And so, and my son also went through Creative Lab and Bible College were there. So there was a group of about six of them that were all close, tight friends. And, um, and, you know, the song we sang this morning, Hands High at the Beginning, does anyone remember what the pre-chorus says? My response will always be to praise, no matter what comes. Those are hard words to sing. No, actually, they're easy words to sing. They're hard to uh, appropriate in our lives when we go through hard stuff but there's something about the choice to say, I'm going to praise, I'm going to be in the presence of God regardless, that actually gives us a fortitude in our spirit. So so my son and and another friend, Keenan, wrote that song. (laughs) Isn't it funny that when you write a song and you profess it and you profess it and you profess it, you're likely to be tested on it. And uh, the youth in our church were tested on that song at the beginning of last year when this beautiful young woman End of 2016, she was almost finished Bible college in church one morning, and she um, had severe chest pain. She's 19 years old, 20 years old, 19. Severe chest pains, stomach pains, couldn't breathe. I and mean, She's an asthmatic. She had a lot of health difficulties growing up. And, we, and so someone, we were all on the stage and doing worship, and so someone said, you need to get her up to hospital. So she went up to the hospital, and in the middle of the second service, I get a call from... Um, One of her best friends who was at the hospital, she goes, Pastor Libby, you need to come to the hospital. They're rushing her into emergency heart surgery. We're like, what? Heart surgery? What the heck is going on? And so she had an undiagnosed um, condition where her aorta was getting um, more and more enlarged to the point that it actually ruptured that morning both her aorta and her um, part of the aorta that goes down to the stomach as well, severely ruptured. They rushed into heart surgery, and it was 10 hours. Her her family came up from down the way. It was We were all praying and believing and pressing into God and declaring she was going to be okay. And she came through 10 hours of open-heart surgery. They repaired repaired her aorta, um, two days in a coma, induced coma, and then she was kind of awake, and it was like, this is a miracle. This is an absolute miracle amazing. And then a week later, they put a pacemaker in. Four weeks later, she walked across um, our Bible college graduation stage. Amazing. And graduated Bible college. We're like, this is awesome. You know, this life has been turned around for an incredible purpose. And everyone was worshiping and praising and praying through it, believing for incredible, incredible turnaround. Um, I'm not to share this with last year when I said here I? Anyway, okay. So, so, Six weeks later, beginning of, she was about to um, start internship in Auckland last year, um, again with Josh and our son and some others. So, you know, this real sense of, wow, what a turnaround. And she'd come up to Auckland for some post-operative checks, and we'd seen her at vision night, and then she went back down to her hometown. Uh, And she was looking a little bit tired, understandable. You know, you've been through open-heart surgery eight weeks prior, or whatever it was. But anyway, on the Saturday morning, it was... um, mid-January, right before Summer Revolution, which is our youth movement's huge, big summer camp for the year. Um, So it was a Saturday morning. I was having my quiet time, and my phone um, buzzed, and it was her ringing. I'm like, she doesn't normally ring me. Why is she ringing me? And um, I thought, oh, well, I'll answer it later. I'll just, you know, because she'll text if she needs something. But something in me said, pick up the phone. And so I picked it up, and it was her mum ringing on her phone, and I just heard this wailing. And she said, mum, we have lost her. And she'd, she'd caught... Can you believe this? She'd caught an infection in her IV line, and because of the weakened state of her heart, she couldn't battle it um, fully. She ended up in ICU, and she passed away. She she passed away five minutes earlier, and she said, "Mama lives. Can you go and find all her friends because we well, I can't I can't tell them." We said, "Absolutely." So we got ourselves together, and Grace, our daughter, goes, "You go. You do the pasta thing. I'll clean the house and get food because we were inviting all her friends, about Mudai Styles, to our house, and um." And then we thought, Josh, oh, we need to tell Josh. One of his best friends has just tragically passed away. And so we woke him up and we, you know, as we were rushing out the door to go and let all her friends, her best friends know. And, and we just told him what had happened and then we had to go out. But our daughter told us later that when he found out about her death, he, he got up, he got his guitar, he fell on his knees in his room and he began to worship He began to praise and sing and worship and declare the goodness of God. In his grief, he declared the goodness of God. His first response was the presence. His first response was the presence. Did it mean the grief was any less? No. Did it mean the pain was any less? No. Did it mean that the situation he was walking through was going to change? No, not for a long time. But the first response meant that the internal atmosphere of his heart was different. He chose praise. He chose worship. He chose presence. And then I watched as um, the next morning at church, they're all involved in the the worship team. They praised and worshipped hard out. And then the the next morning, Monday morning, they all went to Summer Revolution, and we went down to her And And, you know, Summer Revolution, there was, I think it was Lucas Connell, was it? yeah really a Holy Spirit, like amazing. And so they're looking at this going, we have the chance to see a generation of young people really impacted in God's presence. Will we allow our grief to limit us or will we push through into presence? Will we make presence our first response? And I watched or heard about these young people, or the because she was a youth leader, or the youth band was really impacted by her sudden and, and tragic passing. And so I heard about them on their knees backstage before worship, tears rolling, praying, declaring God's goodness. And then they would get out and they would lead that generation of young people in passionate praise and worship. And God did incredible things that week. Holy Spirit just broke out. Like there was just this sense of where we're making presence our belonging. We are causing ourselves to be positioned. We will not stop. We've written a song that says, my response will always be to praise no matter what comes, no matter what comes. I know that I will always choose to praise. And that was their response. And God did incredible things in that week. You know the, the turnaround? Didn't the outcome wasn't what they expect expected, but miracles broke out because of a, a young, a team of young people who chose to make presents their belonging, their first response. Jesus, no less, Jesus, when he was on the earth, he was all man. He came as a man. He didn't come as spirit with all the heavenly powers. <laughs> he was man, God in man's body. Everything that limits us as humans limited him. He had to be that way so that he could show us the way to true life and freedom. And so, so his cousin, John the Baptist, another one who was a miracle out of barrenness. Elizabeth was barren, and then John the Baptist came from, from that place. But um, they were cousins. They grew up. They grew up together, they would have played together. they were all you know everything that cousins do. I had a great relationship with my cousins growing up. It was like my favorite time of the year when we got together. They're from here. Um, but, but you know, so cousins, that cousinly strong relationship, and then John the Baptist is beheaded by the king, by King Herod, and Jesus hears about this, and his first response is grief, because he was human. He experienced everything that we experience, His first response and his first. Decision was to take himself away into the presence of relationship with his father. Take himself away into presence. He knew that's where he belonged. He knew that's where his strength was. He knew that that's where he would find everything he needed. And so, as he retreated, a crowd started to form around him and a crowd started to push on him because, and the beautiful thing, Jesus' heart was moved with compassion at the crowd. And so he went to them, but he had found, even in that split second, I believe he, he knew how to access the presence of his father and to get the strength he needed. And it didn't let him, it didn't stop him from ministering to a crowd that desperately needed him. And so the miracle of the feeding of the four or 5,000 came on the back of that decision. In the midst of his grief, he chose presence. He chose the belonging of presence. Will we be a people this morning who know how to access the presence of God and make that the place we live, make that our home, make that our belonging place, because it doesn't necessarily change the way the circumstance works out, but it changes how we respond in our hearts, everything we need is found in his presence, we sung that this morning, in your presence I find heaven, you fill my heart again, you know, and so presence, the, the a people who know that that presence is their belonging, um, Number two. So number one, are people of um, of of presence who know that presence is their belonging place. Number two, are people who know that belonging is found in praise, thanksgiving, and gratitude. Remember when you're kids, or maybe parents with kids. I don't remember my parents doing this, but I did it my kids a lot. Now, what do you say? You know, you give them something or a gift, or someone an auntie comes to visit and gives your child a gift. Now, what do you say? What do you say? And we, we teach them by rote to say thank you, please and thank you. And at first, they don't understand why they say it. It's just a word. But then but then they learn, hopefully, from a heart attitude as they develop gratitude that, oh, wow, this auntie's coming. She's given me a gift, and I want to say thank you. There's a shift between learning to say thank you by rote and realizing from a heart attitude that that Thanksgiving should be a place we belong in. Man, like, honestly, praise and thanksgiving. So my... Um, and the, the Lord like, has been talking to me a lot in the last few months about Thanksgiving being a real key and um, un- unlocking doors in the season that we're in. Just And it's simple. So, so I want to read to you from, actually I won't read it because I know it. <laughs> I know it off my heart. <laughs> but um, actually I don't know what the reference is. But in this, first Thessalonians, um, it simply says this. And it talks about this being God's will for you. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, And in everything, give thanks. And then it says this, this is God's will for you. It's like, that's God's will. You want to know what God wants you to do? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything, give thanks. Rejoice always, that's the praise part. Pray without ceasing, I believe that's the presence part, because it's actually quite hard to, you know, pray under your breath all the time. But being aware of his presence with us all the time becomes like prayer. And then in everything, give thanks. And no, it doesn't say for everything, give thanks doesn't say for everything, give thanks. I'm not going to thank God that our lovely young friend got an infection in her IV line, you know, medical misadventure or whatever it was. It, it happened. I'm not going to say thank you for that. Wow, that's awesome. No, but I'm going to thank in the situation. I'm going to thank, I'm going to choose to make Thanksgiving my belonging place, because again, it changes my perspective. It changes everything about the way I perceive things. I'm not going to thank him that someone might have had a diagnosis of cancer. I'm not going to thank him for cancer. He didn't cause cancer. I'm not going to thank him for untimely, you know, before their time deaths. I'm not going to thank him for poverty. I'm not going to thank him for injustice. I'm not going to thank him for pain and grief. They are all the response to a broken, fallen world and things that happen because we are sinful people. But I will thank him in the midst. I'll thank him for what he's going to do and the outcome that's going to happen because of that situation. Thank him in it. Don't thank him for it. Thank him in it. There are some things we can thank him for, some incredible things like freedom and salvation and life and joy and peace and all those things. We can thank him for those because he's the author of those things. But I will thank him in the midst of the other stuff. My response will always be to praise no matter what comes. Uh, and you might go, oh, well, you know, easy for you to say. No, it's not easy for me to say. And I don't always get it right, but I'm trying. I'm trying to make that my confession. I'm trying to make Thanksgiving my place of belonging. So, so here's a cool thing. Um, further on, I think it, oh, I don't know where it is. But in the message translation, there's this little line. It just says, Thanksgiving is your dialect. Thanksgiving is your dialect. What is a dialect? A dialect is a portion of a language or a, a splinter off of a generic language. Like there's some countries that have hundreds and hundreds of dialects. Same language, different dialects. So, so like, Wayne, for instance, is from South Taranaki. His iwi is Ngārouru, and they are the ones that drop their H's in the WH. So, it's not F, it's W. So, they say, Hwakatāni. Thank the Lord for that, because otherwise it feels like you're swearing. I was a little bit, you know, so they say Huakatani, they say Whangarei, they say Whanganui. That's why Whanganui has an H, but you don't pronounce it because that's the dialect of his people. The dialect tells you where he's from. The dialect tells you where he belongs. When he goes to another marae somewhere in the country and his, he speaks with the dropped H, they go, I know where you belong. I know where you come from. You come from South Taranaki. They know it. They know where he belongs because of the language he's speaking, the dialect of te that he speaks. So when the Bible says Thanksgiving is your dialect, it means that our language, when we choose to thank, when we choose to belong in Thanksgiving, people know where we're from. We can go into our workplaces. We can go into, you know, relationships, family, all that sort of thing. And we can change the atmosphere and people recognize something different about us because we're not whining and moaning and grumbling and complaining and, you know, swearing at the person who cut us off in traffic. (laughs) Just a little challenge to, you know. Anyway, but you know what I mean? Like we choose Thanksgiving. We choose to have an attitude of gratitude. And why? Because it does something in us. It changes our perspective. The situation may not change, but we do. That's what it's all about. And we, as we change, as we take on the dialect of thanksgiving, as we make thanksgiving and gratitude the place we belong, it changes then the sphere around us. Our, our atmosphere, and as we walk into an atmosphere, Thanksgiving walks in us, doesn't mean, mean we're necessarily saying thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you the whole time, but it's an attitude, it's a spirit, it's something we carry, and it should affect the atmosphere we walk into, so we choose to belong in praise and thanksgiving, and then, and then this, is, this is really cool, Colossians 3 again, um, and I will read you this, because, Have, when, what time do we need to finish? Oh, good. Two o'clock. Oh, that's very kind. Was that Owen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so let me. Oh dear, I've just gone and highlighted something. Um. Goodness. Oh, now I'm reading it. Oh. oh. Okay, I'm just going to quote it to you. So, um, so Colossians three talks about cultivating thankfulness, and it says, "Let it have the run of the house. Let the word of Christ." have the run of the house. What's a house? It's a home. It's where you belong. Hey, so Thanksgiving, having the word of, of God and Thanksgiving and that attitude of gratitude, let it have the run of the house. Let it be the overriding atmosphere and dialect in your home. I love that, but it says cultivate it. doesn't mean we automatically have it. <laughs> We've got to choose. I was talking to the networking night last night. We've got to choose. We always have a choice we choose praise as a response. We choose to belong in presence. We choose thanksgiving, especially in the face of the opposite, because it does something in us. But cultivate thankfulness. Let it have the run of the house. I love that. Um, so th- this whole thing of thankfulness and gratitude, like it's simple, and I've known it all my life, but but I've been really intentional the last few months about, about choosing thanksgiving, and it, uh, even even in my praying. So so i'm no longer going oh you know lord i bring this need before you and please will you answer it and please will you cuz that's kind of whining at god and god and the, and god he says he knows our needs before we even express them so we don't, he's not deaf But um, we don't need to whine at him. But when I come from an attitude of, Father, I thank you that you know everything. I thank you that you are Lord. I thank you that you see my future. I thank you that you see my need. And I thank you that you have an outcome that I can't quite see yet. But as I walk with you, you're going to reveal it to me. So thank you. Thank you for this journey. Thank you for this process. Thank you that as I'm seeing the fruition of what you're going to do, it's going to be an exciting journey. And I'm going to have a testimony to tell people, thank you that you know every need. You know everything I have need of. You know every um, fear. You know every whatever. And I thank you that you are upgrading me, that you're bringing a different outcome. What I see now is not what's going to be next tomorrow or next week. You're you're processing me. You're taking me on a journey. I thank you for that. And it's it's like we kind of co labor with Jesus. He's like, I see the outcome. I see what I'm doing. Do you want to join me? Come on. Do you want to like, so thank me. Thank me. The Bible says, worship, and praise Thanksgiving, opens the doors to all his goodness. Worship God if you want the best. Worship opens doors to all his goodness. All his goodness. There's this thing about praise, worship, thanksgiving being our belonging place, our starting place, the place we stand, the place we dwell. That actually opens doors to everything God wants to pour out to us. It's kind of simple, eh? Takes a bit of discipline. Takes a bit of intentionality to actually apply it, though. Um, but, but honestly, changing the way I pray in this regard has, has changed so much about my internal um, atmosphere. And, and, and I get really excited. I'm like, okay, God, how are you going to work this one out? Lord, I'm excited. Thank you that you're going to bring about an outcome that I can't see yet, but you're in control and you're going to do it. It's cool, eh? So, so um, here's the third one. So what's number one? We belong in presence. Number two, we belong in praise and thanksgiving or thanksgiving and gratitude. Number three, we belong in repentance. Repentance. So how many of you, when I say the word repentance, get a bit of a, like a little bit of a, yeah. <laughs> Wayne's the only honest one here. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, I think we traditionally think of repentance as, I'm so sorry, and like, you know, remorse. We confuse it with remorse. And there are times when we have messed up. We have to, you know, um, confess, and we, and we bring our stuff before the Lord. And, but repentance is actually, literally translated, a change of mind. So the actual Greek word for repentance is um, the same word as metamorphosis. Now, this is interesting. How many people loved um, monarch butterflies growing up? Yeah, yeah, swan plants, little caterpillars became big fat ones and then made a chrysalis and you watch, you know, like it was this process, I don't know how long, it felt like forever, but you watch this process of the caterpillar getting fatter and then building its chrysalis, it stripped the swan plant, you know, bare and then all these little green... You know, light lime green chrysalises appear with a little they're beautiful gold dots. And and somehow in the process of eating all this swan plant, making this little home of a chrysalis, something happened in that chrysalis that created something completely different than what went into it. Hey, a, a caterpillar gets all mushed down. I don't know, I don't know what happens, but this is metamorphosis. It gets all squashed and probably breaks down and goes all bloop, like jelly-like. And then all of a sudden starts to form. Like how amazing is God in creation? That doesn't just happen. That is by design. Oh, I love it. So, so this, this, and then, you know, the chrysalis starts to go darker and darker, and all of a sudden you start to see black and orange. It's like, oh, it's happened. It's metamorphosed. Or, is that the word? No, it's not a good word. But it's, but it's changed from one thing into another, the same word, "metamorphos," translated repentance. We change our mind. We were one thing. We change the complete opposite direction. We say in response to Jesus and what he's done, I'm changing my mind. I'm going this way now. I didn't like the direction I was heading this way, so I'm going to repent and walk in another direction. Literally change your mind. Graham Cook talks about um, if, if all your thinking, because it's about thinking, if all your... Um, Thoughts have taken you down a road that you don't like and you've ended up not liking yourself or the situation or Jesus. Have another thought. (laughs) Simple as that. Just change your thoughts. Change the way you're thinking. I say it simple again. I know I've preached on this before. It does take hard work. It does take discipline. It does take a choice. But it is possible to completely change the way we think. And that's what repentance in essence is. This is what's really cool. Listen to this. Romans 12. So we all know the verse, um, uh, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be conformed, blah, 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 because, and, uh, yeah, what is it, you'll be transformed as you renew your mind. That's literally repentance. Repentance is a gift. Repentance is something we choose. It's actually a privilege. It's, it's the, like God says to us, you can change it. Because I've, I've done it all. Jesus has done it all. He's provided a way. And then we just need to agree with him. And change the direction and with community around us and a place to belong, but repentance becomes a place that we belong. We continually choose. Now I'm going this way. This way didn't work out for me. It was not good. I'm going this way. I'm I'm co-laboring with Jesus. I'm partnering with him and his plan and purpose, and I'm walking this way. So, so um what now I am gonna find this. Excuse me a second. Gotta You can chat. You can say something nice like, wow, what a great message to each other while I fight. <laughs> you can say it again if you want to and even louder. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, so this is what's really cool. In uh, Romans 12, in the message translation again, it says this. So that verse that I just quoted says this in the message. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, you'll be changed from the inside out. That's metamorphosis. That's repentance. That's how we get changed from one thing into another. When we choose, I'm not going to make my belonging the, cult, the culture and customs of the world because that does not work out for me. But I'm going to make my belonging place the kingdom of God, the heart of God, the mind of Christ. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ That means we can choose to think the thoughts that he wants us to think. When we're thinking something negative or something wrong or we have wrong, you know, mindsets, whatever, we can say, Holy Spirit, God, I need to know what the thoughts I need to think in this situation are. I've done that before. I've felt myself going to a negative space. I'm like, I'm not thinking right. Okay, Holy Spirit, what do I need to think in this situation? He drops something in just like that. He can give us the thoughts to think. And when we know it's from Him, our minds are being transformed as we intentionally think that way. So we don't find our belonging place in the culture and customs of this world. We choose the culture of the kingdom to belong, and that's in repentance. The process, the bridge is repentance. Metamorphosis will be changed from the inside out. Isn't that flipping cool? That I think it's amazing. Because we actually can choose. Like, we just, we just choose. Now, here's, here's a beautiful thing. This morning when I woke up, and I don't actually know how this ties in, but I think it was prophetic, so I'm going to share it with you. <laughs> you know how you, sometimes you wake up and you have that weird kind of waking, sleeping? And I felt, I felt God just say to me, Jesus makes up the difference. And I thought, am I meant to preach on that? But nothing else came. So, <laughs> so I thought, oh, it's part of this. What, what I love is that Jesus is continually inviting us into a place where we co labor with him, where we can... Create and um, not in a you know super spurry kind of New Agey way, but we do create our our world around us by the words we speak, by the way we think. But when we the, the difference between us and just people thinking positively is that we line our thoughts up with what God wants us to think. He He gives us the right way. He's given us His mind, and we but we choose. We choose to co-labor with Him, to partner with Him, and He makes up the difference. The beautiful thing is Jesus done it all. You know, the beginning of Romans 12 says, here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Like he's there all the time wanting to give us all the resource, everything we need to live this life belonging in the right place, belonging in presence, belonging in praise and worship, belonging in thanksgiving, belonging in repentance, metamorphosis, continually being changed into the image of God. The Bible says that when we were saved, our spirit was instantly made perfect, but our soul is still walking that journey to holiness, to completeness. And that's the part, that's the metamorphosis, that's the repentance. That's where Jesus is saying, I'll make up the difference. I've done it all. You just choose to partner with me and I'll make the pathway smooth. I'll make the pathway clear. As you choose things like my presence, as you choose thanksgiving, as you choose the mind of Christ, as you choose repentance, as you choose to carry that atmosphere in your spirit, I'll I'll make up the difference. I'll give you all you need. So this morning, I, I don't know, I'm never very good at landing these things, so I'm going to pass it back to Pastor Sheridan. But um, just as the guys play, I, I would love to pray this morning because I think, man, like we can get so weighed down and burdened and, and so caught up in just the, in the, the stuff that we sense and feel and the things we're walking through. But God's wanting us to lift our eyes this morning. If he said Jesus makes up the difference, there's some people here this morning that needed to hear that. There's some people here this morning that your situation looks bleak or you're finding it hard to actually rise above it, but the simplicity of just running into his presence, just saying, Jesus, I, I just want to feel you close. I just want your presence to be near. He, he tangibly wants to be close. He's such a loving, good, good father. And But then he says, but I've got a key for you. If you can choose praise, if you can choose thanksgiving, because Psalm 100 and the Passion translation talks about running through open doors. It doesn't talk about us pushing the doors down into his presence with our praise, which would suggest that the doors are already wide open. He's waiting and our praise is not for him, it's for us because it changes something in us. Our thanksgiving is for us. We run through the already open doors of acceptance and love and mercy and grace with hearts full of thanksgiving. So he says to us, if you choose those things, If you choose presence, if you choose praise, if you choose thanksgiving in every circumstance, as you choose to be in the process of metamorphosis, repent, then I'm going to make out the difference. I'll be there 110%. I will meet you more than halfway. He's done it already. He's made a way. We've just got to choose to align with it. So this morning, I'd love everyone to close your eyes and Pastor Sharon will close off the service, but if this is kind of, you know, um, something's resonated with you about this this morning, then just make a decision in your heart. I'm going to choose to be a person of, of, you know, that belongs in presence, that belongs in praise and worship, that belongs in thanksgiving, that belongs in repentance. So, Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you that you're near, you're close. You never, ever leave us. You are always near. And we just choose to make ourselves aware of that nearness this morning. We choose to make ourselves aware of your beauty, of your goodness, of your love, of your mercy, of your grace. We look at our circumstances through the filter of your goodness, not the other way around. And we choose to run into your presence when things are hard and when things are great. We choose to to have a response of praise no matter what comes. We choose thanksgiving. We choose to turn around and repent and be in the process of metamorphosis. Some of us may be a fat, squashy caterpillar right now. Others may be about to bust out of the chrysalis. But we're all in a process. So, Father, thank you. Thank you that you're with us all the way, that you've given us keys of presence, praise, thanksgiving, and repentance. They are gifts. They are keys for us to use. And we choose them this morning. We choose them, Father. We choose. And we know it's going to do something in us. So we love you, Lord. We praise your beautiful, beautiful name. In Jesus' name.